Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. Have we gotten to this point where people wake up every morning looking for something to be offended about? I live in this place called the real world, and I understand what is going to happen. Her story is, I was trying to scare him away. At the same time, she shot him point blank in the face. Okay, that's not exactly a warning shot. The AccuNet Mortgage Talk and Text Line is open now. Give Jeff a call at 414-799-1620. Coming up next, Squirrel. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Good afternoon, Wisconsin. Welcome to the show. Once, just once, wouldn't you like to see an elected official step forward and say, you know what, I screwed up. There has been this mess that has been going on, and part of it, not all of it, but part of it is my fault, and part of it is my colleague's fault, and we have been handling stuff wrong for the last several years. We are sorry. We want to do better in the future. Wouldn't you like to hear that? Well, all right. You're not going to hear it for this first section. We have been talking repeatedly over the last several weeks, months, you could argue years, about how absolutely abysmal driving is around here and how you have people who have absolutely no regard for traffic rules, red lights, people in intersections, etc., etc., etc. There is a reason why you see so much lawyer advertising on television and hear so much lawyer advertising on the radio. It is because there are countless, on any given day, forget the weather, on any given day, there are a countless number of automobile accidents in the Milwaukee area, in our listing area, and you know people get hurt, people have property damage, they need lawyers to handle all this. The roads are an absolute catastrophe when it comes to the people that are driving on them. And lately, you've had high-profile incident after high-profile incident of hit-and-run drivers, the most prominent one being the 19-year-old Democrat activist who blows through the red light, hits and kills the six- and four-year-old girls, drives off, tries to conceal the crime, apparently tells somebody that it was a rookie mistake. Yeah, yeah. Then you had the story from last Friday where you had the guy blows through the red light, hits two children. Thankfully, um, those children will both survive, although one was, in fact, injured. So you've got hit and runs. You've got the reckless driving. You've got the blowing through the red lights, et cetera, et cetera. There are many reasons why this goes on my opinion. But one of the principal reasons is that we don't take these types of things seriously at all. I've been on my soapbox repeatedly that this idea that you can drive without your license and get caught over and over and over again and we just send you back to get behind the wheel of the car. The idea that you can blow through red lights and that nothing bad is going to happen to you. The idea that you can drive 85 miles an hour and 25 mile an hour zone and you're going to get slapped on the wrist and sent back on the road. I mean, these are ongoing problems and can Candidly, a lot of it, in my opinion, lays at the feet of the people involved in law enforcement, not so much the police who issue the tickets, but the prosecutors and the judges who don't want to get people upset with them. Well, we don't want to take driver's licenses away from people. We don't want to punish people too much. So they just allow this to go on and on and on and on. And then finally, 
you have somebody that drives 80 miles an hour through a red light and hits and kills a couple kids. And yeah, that now they're going to be going to prison for a long time. But but on a daily basis, the carnage that we see and the irresponsibleness we see, I think in large measure, you can, first of all, let's start with blaming the people that are responsible for it. And that is the people that blow through the red lights and drive 90 miles an hour. Okay, I get it. But at the same time, we have a system that allows this to happen. It allows people to get behind the wheel of a car over and over and over again with no consequences at all. And we never hold the judges accountable. We don't hold some of the prosecutive decisions accountable, etc. Well, yesterday, all right, there, there's a meeting on this reckless driving thing. And Milwaukee Municipal Judge Derek Mosley Okay, he's he's apparently he's he decides to weigh in on this at a community meeting. Here is what he says. Does Judge Mosley stand up and say, Well, you know what? We've been examining the stuff we've been doing in Milwaukee Municipal Court. You know what? We we have been unreasonably soft on people. We we haven't been hard enough, we haven't been aggressive enough, we haven't punished people significantly enough when they drive repeatedly without driver's licenses. We have bent over backwards to hold hold people, to give people second and third and fourth and fifth and sixth and seventh chances, and we bear some responsibility for what is going on. Does Judge Mosley say that? No, he doesn't. Here's what he says. You know what he attributes part of the problem to the carnage and the recklessness that is going on on the road? Driver's ed was cut from the Milwaukee public schools in the early 2000s. It's back now, but but here's what the judge says. It was a budgetary decision that was made by MPS to withdraw driver's education from the schools. So by doing that, a lot of kids that we know that go to school don't have the money to pay for driver's education. So now what has happened is that they didn't have the money to pay for driver's ed, couldn't take driver's ed, so they were just driving without licenses. Okay. All right. So it, it's it's the MPS and it's the taxpayers' fault. Well, you know, you didn't offer driver's eds at the school. The kids were going to drive anyway, so it's the fault of MPS. MPS reintroduced driver's education into the schools in spring of 2016, but for about 10 years they did not have that. Right now, 20 out of the 30 schools offer driver's ed. Um, let's see. Um, he goes on to say it's not a requirement to take driver's education at MPS. It's also not a requirement to take driver's education in Wisconsin. As long as the driver is 18 years old, all they knew, need to do is to pass the DMV driving test and they can get their license. He said, all right, these these are three big reasons. That the fact that we didn't have the driver's ed, you don't have to take it. Those are big reasons why there is a reckless driving program in Milwaukee. Why can't I pass on the right? Why can't I change lanes in the middle of the intersection? Can I do a U-turn at this intersection? There's a lot of things you learn in driver's ed that a lot of kids didn't have because they didn't have access to driver's education. 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Don't go through that red light at 90 miles an hour if, if you didn't take driver's ed. Well, we didn't teach you that. Don't drive in the bike lane at 75 miles an hour and swerve in. You know, if you would have taken driver's ed, you would have perhaps known that. Now, don't get me wrong. I am not anti-driver's ed. As a matter of fact, I, I think... You know, driver's ed, and of course it is a requirement, I believe, if you want a license before you're 18. I mean, I, I think I think driver's ed is a good thing, and I think it's a good thing that they have reinstituted it in, in the Milwaukee public schools, right? Because, again, it, it's one of these things that can't hurt. But seriously, 
the look at the reckless driving, look at the irresponsible stuff, the running the red lights, the driving two and three times the speed limit. All right. Is that is that because we went through a period of time where MPS didn't offer public school public? It wasn't offered in the public school. Or is this? Well, there's just a lot of people out there that don't care about the rules. I mean, do you really need to go to driver's ed to be told don't blow through a red light at 75 miles an hour? Do you really need to have a driver's ed class that tells you you need to have a driver's license and after your driver's license has been suspended, you can't drive? I mean, is this really a driver's ed sort of thing or is this more that you have People who just don't care. They're going to drive regardless. I mean, seriously, if you don't have a driver's license and you decide you're going to drive anyways, does driver's ed make any difference? And I'm not anti-driver's ed. Not anti-driver's ed at all. But is that why we have reckless driving in the city of Milwaukee? 414-799-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Crew is lining up the calls. We discuss in a moment. Back to Take Your Calls. Here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Hey, don't get me wrong. I'm not anti-driver's ed. That, that's not the point of this. But, gee, if you know, we went through a period of time where MPS didn't offer driver's ed, so that explains, in part, why we've got people driving 85 miles an hour, driving through red lights, hitting people in the intersections. That's why we've got so much going on, because, well, there were people who they were going to drive anyways. And so since they couldn't get it at MPS, they just decided they're going to do it. And now they don't know that they're not supposed to drive 90 miles an hour through a red light. I mean, really? Really? Marty in Oak Creek. Marty, you're in WTMJ. Hi, good morning, or Hi, good Marty. afternoon, I'm sorry. Hi. Um, I don't believe that driver's ed is the culprit here, uh, a lack of driver's ed. I have to I have to say that it's just plain disregard for the law. People know better. Yeah. You have to take a written exam to get a license. And then if you drive without a license, you're just plain breaking the law. I don't believe we have... S- sufficient punishment for it. Well, see, I, I, I agree with you. I mean, look, the, the, and again, I'm not anti-driver's ed. I, I think I think it's a, a great thing. I think it's great that they're teaching it at MPS again and offering people the chance. But you, you mean to tell me that these cars that are driven by the 15-year-olds who aren't eligible to get a driver's license because they're not old enough regardless, who decide that they're going to drive and flee from the police at 80 miles an hour and blow through stop signs, gee, if, if they would have taken driver's ed, they wouldn't have done that. That's ridiculous it's just it's preposterous to suggest that i I agree that is total total being totally ridiculous but i also i I think our punishments oh i agree our punishments aren't sufficient right i see and i'm with you see i mean i think that you know that's where it starts if i were some and this is why i started this off with the the whole concept of i I just wish every once in a while some of these public officials would perhaps take a step back and, and and maybe say do we have a part to play in this epidemic? Not not are we responsible for it. I mean, I don't mean to imply that the municipal court judge is the one that decides to encourage somebody to drive 80 miles an hour and blow through a red light. That That's not it. But, but by taking this soft approach where we give people second, third, fourth chances, hey, I'm going to suspend your driver's license, and then, you know, three weeks later, the guy's in for driving without a license. Okay, now we're really going to get serious. If we were collectively to start holding people more accountable, more penalties, 
greater penalties, maybe use of incarceration, maybe looking at stuff like seizing vehicles, things like that, maybe it would maybe it would make a difference. Instead of simply saying, well, we had a generation of people who, who couldn't get driver's ed at MPS, and so that's why there's so many bad drivers on the road. Oh, give me a break. I mean, seriously, 414-799-1620. Mike on the northwest side. Hi, Mike. Hi, uh, good afternoon, Jeff. Hi, Mike. Hey, my thoughts are that driver's ed is a great program, and they should have it to yep. impose the laws of the road. But my thought is that if they're going to let these people at have, like, small marijuana charges on them and let them out of the jail. Put these people out driving without licenses, put them in jail. Yeah, I, well, right. Let, let's let, let, let's have consequences for the, these various situations instead of, oh, well, yes, we know your driver's license is suspended for whatever reasons, but we know that you need to get to work, so you know we're, we're going to look the other way. Or, gee, you're driving a stolen car without a driver's license? Well, okay, we're going to give you a fine, and we're going to suspend the license that you don't have for 90 days. What? Where does this stuff come from? Yeah, exactly. No, th- thanks to call again. This this isn't. I keep saying this. I, I do. Do I think driver's ed is good? Absolutely. I, and but and do I do I think making it available is a good thing? Yeah, I I, I get it. And I'm not going to criticize. I mean, you know, MPS. Maybe they made a bad decision. Maybe they should have gotten rid of some mid level managers and tried to keep the driver's ed programs. But to try to link these two, I mean, the first step is I would like to see again some people in law enforcement. And this is not an indictment of the police. I'd like to see some people perhaps on the municipal bench, for example, take a little bit of ownership of this. Look at some of the sentences that they have handed out. Look at some of the policies that they have developed. And the same thing is probably true that you can say to a number of lawmakers as well. I mean, what what do we do? Why are we letting people get behind the wheel of the car over and over and over again, get caught over and over and over again without having a driver's license, and then have no little or no punishment for that? I mean, what, why are we doing that? Why are we turning blind eyes when people blow through red lights at 75 miles an hour and there but for the grace of God don't hit people in the intersection or don't hit cars? I mean, it's just, I, again, it's a complete crapshoot. We wouldn't allow people to take a gun, stand on the sidewalks in Wisconsin Avenue, and shoot that gun down the street and say, oh, you're lucky you didn't hit anybody. Why do we allow people to drive 80 miles an hour through a red light and then say, okay, well, we're, we're going to give you a couple points and we're going to give you a fine that you're not going to have to pay, you know, when you get behind the wheel of a several thousand pound automobile and and do that. 414-799-1620. Let's talk to George on the north side. Hi, George. Hey, how you doing there? Good. What do you think? Uh, first of all, like I said, until until you guys, well, not you guys, until the community and the police uh, start to, uh, to do something drastic so these guys can see that you're not playing. Yep. They should set it up where if you have to chase uh, somebody more than two blocks, the cops should have the right to shoot to <laughs> okay. stop that car. No, I'm serious. Well, I'm laughing. No, well, I'm not I laughing. I'm, 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 hell I'm Because, see, until something drastic happens, yeah. this is not going to change, man. It's well, not. Well, it's you it's know? not true. Now, you can't. Now, Jordan, i got, I got to stop you because... Look, I, I'm all in favor of aggressive law enforcement and, and getting the bad drivers off the street. I, I, I'm not going to endorse shooting at, at fleeing cars. I mean, because it's just that. I, but I do think that they should chase. And I'm with you on your overall sentiment. Here's another interesting point, Jeff. 
West Bend hasn't offered driver's ed through the school. It's private now for at least 15 years. And we don't have any one of the number of problems that they do in Milwaukee. Interesting point. Other communities that don't have driver's ed through the schools, and you don't hear people routinely, you know, getting you know caught for running red lights at 80 miles an hour and things like that, which isn't to say that there's not reckless driving in West Bend, just not to the extent. My only point is, okay, is driver's ed a factor? Yeah, it's a teeny tiny factor. But maybe, just maybe, some of these public officials who are responsible for enforcing the laws, maybe they should be a tad introspective as well, including acknowledging maybe what they have been doing for years and years hasn't worked. This is Jeff Wagner. Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. So, very glad to have you with us. They call it load management. I think it's a load of, well, okay, Tony Evers, the governor, trying to talk yesterday was uh, you know, use, using a word that we cannot say on the cannot say on the radio. So I, I, I think... I think load management is a load of Tony Evers, perhaps. Maybe maybe we, we should say it that way. So what, let me back into this. What is load management and why why is it ridiculous? Let me back into this. I, I am a uh, I, I'm a sports fan to begin with and I, I like basketball. Last night I went to uh, I'm got season tickets to the Marquette games. I, I love love going to college basketball and it's it just we had a great time, you know, last evening. Uh, the Bucks. I, I'm a. I appreciate that the NBA. These you could argue are, are some of the best athletes, maybe the best athletes in the world. It, it's a great game. But I will tell you, I'm always a little bit reluctant to reach into my own pocket and to shell out and buy tickets. Why? Because with an 82 game season, you never know what you're you're going to get. You spend a ton of money. You know, to take, you know, your kid or your kids to uh, a professional basketball game and it's a cold and snowy Tuesday in December and you find out that the stars that you thought were going to be playing aren't going to be playing. How disappointing is that? As a matter of fact, the NBA has put a rule into effect that for their marquee games, for their their nationally televised games where they want to showcase their product, they have a rule that says that essentially you, you can't not play people unless they're hurt. They want to put the best product that's out there. Remember last year, there was the time when the L.A. Lakers, um, who kind of had a down year last year, but they got LeBron James. They were coming to Milwaukee. I think the game was like scheduled for March. You had tickets that were going for just really, really stupid money. Months before, lots of people were saying, okay, this is the one game we're going to go to and we're going to take our kids and we're going to spend lots and lots of money and we're going to buy these tickets because we want to see uh, LeBron James go up against Giannis. Remember that? I mean, all those things. And then the Lakers announced, well, we're not going to play LeBron James. Okay, well, right. I understand you still get to see the NBA product, but but that's, the, you know, you bought the tickets because you wanted to see LeBron James. All right, tonight... The same thing is going to be playing out. We are seven games into the NBA season. Today is the eighth game. So it's not game 40. It's not the middle of the season. It is the eighth game. Tonight, our Milwaukee Bucks are traveling to Los Angeles where they will play the Los Angeles Clippers. Um, a lot of people think that this that this might be a preview of the you know NBA Finals. 
This is one of only two games where the Bucks will play the Clippers before the NBA Finals, if they were to both make it that far. They, they play once in Los Angeles and once in Milwaukee later in the year. Big deal, heavily promoted game on ESPN. And in, in addition to the local broadcast, and of course you can hear it here on WTMJ as well. This is, it's, it's been highly promoted. Not only are the teams very good, but one of the other sidelights is Kawhi Leonard, who was the most valuable player in the playoffs last year, used to play for Toronto, the Toronto Raptors, the team that knocked the Bucks out of the playoff. He bailed on Toronto, and now he plays for the Los Angeles Clippers. So the big game tonight, it's not just the Clippers and the Bucks, but it's Kawhi Leonard, the guy that essentially single-handedly almost, put the Bucks out of the playoffs last year. He's going to be playing against Giannis. So you've got that whole other subplot. A lot of interest in this. This is, like I say, going to be the ESPN featured game at 9 o'clock this evening. Well, if you spent money, bought a ticket anticipating that you were going to see this, well, never mind, because Kawhi Leonard is not playing. Now, is Kawhi Leonard Injured because obviously, you know, if somebody's injured, you know, you don't want them to have to play, you don't expect them to play through that. Although, you know, there was a time, if you were of a certain age, where you remembered that players did, in fact, play hurt. Uh, but no, he, he's not, he's not injured. He's being held out of the game because of what they call load management. Load management. This is, now again, it's only the eighth game of the year. This will now be the second game when an otherwise healthy Kawhi Leonard is held out of the game because of load management. In other words, the idea that we we don't we don't want to tire him out. You know, we want to give him rest. We don't want to put strain on his knees. The eighth game of the year really in the big picture doesn't matter to us. What matters is we want the guy healthy when he's playing in March and April. So on the one hand, from the perspective of of the Clippers, it makes sense. Why play this guy? We're trying to manage him, and maybe we're only going to have him end up playing 50 out of the 82 games because we want him to be healthy for the playoffs. That's the one perspective. The other perspective is, hey, the fans – pay a lot of money to buy tickets to see the best product possible. And they're not going to see that tonight. It's not to say it's going to be a dog game, but you know, you're know you not going to have some of these matchups. You're not going to have some of the best players. ESPN, if I was ESPN, I would absolutely be livid about this because – you know, you're, you're trying to get as many people to watch the game as possible. You want the best matchups, and now you're not going to get the Giannis-Kawhi Leonard matchup. And, again, it's not because he's not able to play. It's because of load management. 414-799-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. The NBA, apparently, I'm looking at the L.A. Times right now, they say that they're they're not going to fine the Clippers for doing this because they're saying that the absence is related to an injury slash illness. In other words, um, they're trying to, you know, the, the guy, okay, he's got balky knees, and so, you know, they, they don't want to play him and, and take a, a risk. 414-799-1620. They're benching their superstar for the second time in eight games for a home game, in this case, a premier matchup. 
I just, can they do it? Yeah, but this is a huge problem, and I think fans should be irate. 414-799-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Let's start with Ryan in West Bend. Ryan, you're first. Hello. Hey, how you doing, Jeff? Hi, Ryan. Great, great show, man. Thank you. What do you think? Uh, from what I heard, actually, when he was looking for a new team as part of his contract deal, I think it's actually in his contract. He didn't want to play where he would have back-to-back performances, like back-to-back games. Yeah. Hence, hence why he's basically being held out tonight, because I believe they play tomorrow night against Portland, you said? Uh, I'm not sure who they play. He's, he's already been held out once this year against Utah, so he's, he's only played. <laughs> so this will now be. Right. He's, you're, you're sitting out 25% of your team's games. I, I don't know about you, Ryan. I, I want to go into my bosses and say, you know, I'd like some load management going on here. How about I don't, don't stress me out. I don't want to have to do back-to-back shows or something. <laughs> Yeah, I'm currently in the process of emailing my boss that right now. Yeah, yeah. well, I, and I guess, and see, I mean, and look, and and, and I, t- to me, the, the larger issue here is, I mean, okay, can can the Clippers do this? And I get the idea of, you know, you want to save people for the playoffs, but I, I just think this treats the fans in a really shabby fashion if you can't count on the stars playing just because, you know, it's the eighth game of the year and, and gee, we don't want to wear them out in March. I, I, what, is that, what does that say to a ticket-buying people? The public, it says that I, I think if you're counting on seeing some of these stars, don't because we can't guarantee you they're going to play. I couldn't agree more with you, especially yeah. for the prices of tickets nowadays. Well, right. No, th- 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 thanks for the call. I mean, and that's, I mean, people ask me why I prefer the college game to the NBA game, and that's that that's pretty much one of the reasons that you go to these college games and again if players are hurt it it's one thing but you you don't see too many college players where okay we're not playing our best players because we we want to rest them they they don't they don't do that at the NBA on any given night you know you don't you don't know when somebody's going to play so load management gee we we you know we got to play tomorrow night on the road if that's the case um so we're going to take off on a nationally televised home game really 4147991620 let's talk to Jake in Cedarburg Jake you're on WTMJ Hi, how are you doing? Real well, thank you. Okay, is this fair to the fans? Um, I would say no, but more importantly, what I think it shows is that the regular season in the NBA is way too long. So you yeah. were talking about how the college basketball is so much better. A normal college basketball team only plays about 30 regular right. season games. So that's almost a third. Yeah. And then on top of that, because there's only 30, you know, five losses is a lot. Yeah. Whereas in, you know, the NBA, I think, you know, 40 wins gets you in the playoffs. Oh, yeah, sometimes even less. Yeah, I mean, so your your point is maybe this is just an indication that the, the season is just way too long if it's too taxing on the players. And then on top of that, even if you're playing, you know, 82 games, if the Stars are only playing in half of them, what's the point of the other half of the game? Yeah, and, and see, and, and I... See, I, you know, Jake, I understand why the Clippers want to do this. They don't, and I don't want to say don't care, but the early season games, okay, to your point, one game here and there doesn't really matter to them. You know, they, they want to be, once they make the playoffs, they want to be geared for the run. So I understand why they do that. I'm just saying from a fan perspective or if I'm ESPN trying to sell, you know, advertisers and all, I'm, I'm livid because, you know, this is, Instead of a star matchup, they don't have it to sell it now, and it's not because the guys are injured. It's because, well, we're resting a guy, you know, and that's what they're effectively doing. Yeah, but I, I mean, I think the other thing too is the games that really matter aren't until June. Yeah, yeah. And you know what is it? It's mid-November. Yeah. No, I, so I, right. I get it. Being 
good right now is pointless. So obviously, if I was a Clippers fan, I'd be glad that they were doing this. Unless they have a healthy Kawhi Leonard in May. Okay, unless Jake, uh, unless you've got enough money to maybe buy to take your kids to one or two games, and early on in the year, you said, "Hey." This is the Bucks. This is their only time in town. Giannis is going to be here. This is going to be a return matchup of Kawhi Leonard and Giannis. So I'm going to break the bank and I'm going to buy these tickets. And, and now you're not going to see it. So, it, I mean, if you're that Clippers fan, you're probably not happy. Yeah, I, I do agree with that aspect, given the you know price of it. But I also remember that the Clippers' goal is to win the title, right. not to you know keep right. fans in the arena. Yeah, no, right, exactly. Thank, and that and see, and that's that's the tension. That's that's there, and I mean, I, again, I I understand it. We want him rested. We don't want to overplay him, so we're only going to play him in you know one out of every and three out of every four games, and we're going to do this load management stuff. And and I understand from that perspective, it's fine. But from the perspective of of the advertisers on ESPN and the fans in the stands who pay the tickets thinking that they're going to get a matchup, a premier matchup. And, you know, you can make this argument about a lot of stuff. You know, in, in the NFL, if a team is qualified for the playoffs, you know, a lot of times maybe they make the decision that last game of the year where it really doesn't matter, you sit Aaron Rodgers or, or you sit Tom Brady because you don't want to risk injury. I, I understand that. But this is the eighth game of the year, for goodness sakes. This is Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. And from the Bucks' perspective, it's it's good news that the Clippers' best play. I mean, this is a tough. Bucks are on a tough road trip. I mean, a four-game road trip win in Minneapolis the other night. I mean, like I say, Los Angeles, the Los Angeles Clippers, one of the better teams in the league. So it, it's certainly to the Bucks' advantage that the Clippers have made the decision to to rest. And that's what they're really doing, to, to rest their, their best players. So that gives the Bucks a, a better chance to, to win the game. So from that perspective, it's great. I'm just saying this happens all the time, and it seems it's a bigger issue in the NBA than it is in other sports. And I, I, I get it why the teams do it. I wonder, though, you know, from the perspective of do you care about the people that are actually spending, you know, $250 or $200 a ticket and going there to to see the superstars? You know, what happens when you decide that you're not going to play those superstars? I mentioned this briefly yesterday, and and I got a number of emails on it saying, what exactly did you mean? Uh, There. One, uh, Gordon Sondland, who was the, the former U- European ambassador, he was a guy that had, had testified in this impeachment investigation. And the breaking news yesterday was that he had modified his testimony, apparently added like four extra extra pages, additional pages of, of testimony. And Eric Bill said it said, well, why do they do that? And I said, well, generally speaking, witnesses do that because they don't want to get charged with perjury. Typically, before you can charge somebody with perjury, you have to give somebody the opportunity to revise, recant, change their testimony if they feel that might have been a material error. So typically what happens is, you know, after a witness testifies or something, they they get to see a transcript. Well, um, apparently after Sondland looked at, at his testimony, he realized that there were major problems with it and he modified it substantially. So uh, again, where it leads in the impeachment question is a whole different story, but 
the reason you change your testimony or modify or amplify your testimony is because you have a continuing duty to you know tell the truth and if your initial testimony under oath kind of falls short of that you, you want to correct it or else you could find yourself in a lot of trouble when we come back election results yesterday what do they mean moving forward how would you like an airbnb next to your house and lots more stick around this is jeff wagner live from the annex wealth management studios at historic radio city this is the jeff wagner show and now wtmj's jeff wagner just when you think you have heard really stupid stuff and there can't be anybody who's going to say anything stupider today than fill in the blank. And I'm listening to Eric Bilstadt's news. The Mexican president, Andres Manuel Lopez Obrador. All right now, this is the background of this. Of course, you know, a couple days ago, you had the story of the nine members of the Mormon family with dual U.S.-Mexican citizenship who were killed during a brutal ambush by one of these large Mexican drug cartels. The ambush was on the three sport utility vehicles. Six of the nine people who were killed were children. One of the kids was apparently gunned down by these gangsters as the child was trying to flee. The Mexican cartel members set one of the SUVs on fire. Inside were twins less than a year old. I mean, these people, I, I would say they are animals, but that is a that is an insult to, to animals. Authorities are still trying to figure out whether the, the family, which had lived in that region for decades, had been specifically targeted, or whether the SUVs were mistaken as belonging to a rival gang. So they, they don't they don't know why they did it, but but they know that these people are just absolute monsters. All right? So into this wades the president of mexico you have nine innocent people including six children that are murdered in a horrific way and what what does he repeat yesterday and today he says nope we are not going to change our policy of dealing with these violent mexican drug cartels our policy remains hugs not bullets hugs not bullets eradicate poverty and what's going to happen is you will eradicate the cartels. All right. Well, okay. It's it's tough to imagine how anybody can seriously consider that as a viable policy after you have, again, the, the murder of nine people, including six children. Maybe you should recognize that, that hugs, not bullets, is not working. Now, is is eradicating poverty a noble goal? Of course it is a noble goal, all right? The world would be a better place if there were no poor. But you know that the poor have always been with us, and the, the reality of this is, yes, maybe if you can improve economic conditions, maybe you can reduce the temptation for some people to turn to drugs, et cetera, et cetera. But the truth of the matter is, there's just a ton of money to be made in running drugs and things like that. Plus, you have a bunch of these amoral gangsters that are out there. They killed six children, for God's sake. And you've got the president of Mexico saying, I'm not going to change my policy. It's going to be hugs, not bullets. Well, okay, maybe hugs on some, 
but you know maybe bullets for the gangsters who are certainly willing to use bullets themselves hugs not bullets my god where does this stuff come from all right went to uh, the marquette game yesterday and uh, we we went we had dinner beforehand with some friends of ours and they have a where exactly this is doesn't matter, but they have a permanent home on on not on Lake Michigan, but on one of the inland lakes in in this area. And you know they they live there year round at at this particular home. There's a number of the houses that aren't occupied year round. A lot of the houses, for example, you know people use them in the summer, but then they're somewhere else during the winter. All right, so I'm talking to my friends, and they're telling me the story about how a couple months ago. There's a knock on their door, and the house next door to them had been for sale, and they had heard that there, that there was an offer put in, the offer was going to be accepted, and there's a knock on the door, and they say there's a young man, probably a guy in his, like, his 30s, who says, hey, I just bought the house next door. I just wanted to introduce myself, and they say, hey, great, you know, come on in, let's have a cup of coffee, and he, he tells them about how he's he's not from the, the Wisconsin area. He's from Texas. They say, you're from Texas. Are you moving up here? And then he says, well, no, I'm actually, I have no plans to move up here. What I'm going to do is I'm going to take this property that I just purchased, and I'm going to turn it into an Airbnb. Groot, does everybody know what an Airbnb is, you would think? Yeah, I I think so. I mean, an Airbnb is essentially where, where people rent out their houses they rent out their apartments and there's like internet apps that you can you can go and do that right yeah or you can go to the website yeah it's almost like reserving like a hotel but it's a house right. or an apartment right a house or, or an apartment so this guy 35 year old guy from texas yeah i bought this house next door to you and i'm not moving in but it's going to be essentially an ongoing it's going to be a hotel <laughs> essentially you know and and you know it, I'm, I'm going to rent it out and i'm not going to rent it out to somebody for a year we're going to be renting it out for the weekends we're going to be renting it out for you know the weeks whatever for people who want to have the, this lake place at which point in time you know my my friends kind of said okay thanks nice to meet you etc and then um just kind of sat down and said Okay, let, let's call the real estate agent because yeah, time to sell our place because I don't want to live next door to essentially what is is going to be a party house or a hotel um, where you know you have transient folks that are coming in you know every weekend or or whatever because you know what's going to happen it it's it's going to end up being this party place it's going to completely change the dynamic. Well, long story short. As it turned out, the guy wasn't able to complete the purchase, and for whatever reason, the deal fell through. So this didn't happen, um, and ultimately, that house sold to somebody who, who's living there, going to live there year-round, and, and my friends are happy, and they don't have to move. But they were absolutely outraged at the idea that, that okay, all of a sudden, our, our neighborhood, now we've essentially got a hotel next door to us. Now, I bring this up because this whole Airbnb thing has gotten to be a very, very big deal. In Milwaukee, you're seeing lots of people that are starting to do this, um, especially with the idea that you've got the Democratic National Convention that's coming you know, uh, next summer. A story a couple of weeks ago, Milwaukee, um, apparently, um, if you look at, at bookings between last year and this year, Airbnb rentals in Milwaukee are up over 700 percent 
over 700%. So more and more people are starting to do this. And more and more people who don't rent their homes out are becoming upset about this. Yesterday there was an election day and in Jersey City, New Jersey, which is kind of a, a It may be a little bit further out than to say it's a bedroom community of New York, but they just passed a referendum yesterday. The referendum prohibits essentially renters from listing their apartment and bar owners from renting a property on a short-term basis most of the year if they don't live on site. And the effect of this is really to ban large-scale Airbnb operators who are coming in. All right, I want to open up the phone lines, 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Now, I understand in some, I don't know, for for people who maybe own second homes in Florida and things like that, you, you live at the houses, but what you do is you also rent them out in order to, you know, when you're not there, you will rent them out to people. You'll get revenue and you'll use that to pay your mortgage payments. So that's not necessarily uncommon in these kind of vacation areas. But we're not in Florida. You know, we're, we're not in Naples, Florida. And even there, you know, you've got lots of restrictions on condominiums and how often you can rent it and how long the rentals have to be for. Our number is 414-799-1620. That is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I would not want somebody living next door to me to decide that, you know what, we're going to move out and we're going to turn our place into an Airbnb. And you're going to have different people that are there every week. And, and yeah, if you have problems, well, you can call the police or whatever. But we're going to be absentee owners and you know, we're not going to have permanent tenants. It's going to be somebody different every week. All right, would you like that? And should communities crack down more on this practice? The flip side would be, it's your house. Should you be able to do anything you want with it, including renting it out? 414-799-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I understand why these Airbnbs are popular. They just wouldn't be popular with me if my neighbors were doing it. What do you think? 414-799-1620. We discuss in just a moment. This is Jeff Wagner. This is Jeff Wagner on WGMJ. 414-799-1620. Okay, here's a text to start us off. Jeff, if people do not want to live next to a rental or an Airbnb, then they should buy the house. This is very similar to the conversation of people complaining about Chris Abley ripping down the large house on the lake to build a new one. If people don't like it, they should have bought the home. I could not disagree more. I, I, I don't think this is apt. I don't think that is a comparable situation at all. In communities, you regularly have rules in order to protect the public good. There's all sorts of limitations on, on, on what you can do. You have zoning requirements that say, all right, the house can only be so big. You have different requirements that say there needs to be this much green space. You have all sorts of rules. In some communities, they have rules that say you can't you know, cut the grass after 10 o'clock at night. There's all sorts of rules um, that the community has to protect the quality of life. So th- to me, this is a perfectly reasonable sort of rule, which is to say, look, here, here's the question. You know, what, what 
what are we looking at here? Are we looking at, you know, rental property? And even with rental property, you know, you're going to have typically, you know, one landlord. Or are we looking at situations where people are going to be able to, you know, turn their places into de facto hotels without calling them hotels? And what does that end up doing for the community? 414-799-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I mean, here's, here's the deal. Jersey City, like I say yesterday, just you know passed this referendum saying you can't do it anymore, and and I think more communities need to look at doing exactly the same thing, especially since my guess is while I understand you know you can make a little bit of money doing this, and the Journal Sentinel had a story about you know some Marquette kid who rents apartments and then turns around and re-rents them through Airbnb. Well, the problem is. There's really no control over what happens when you you get that you you get that person that's going to be there for the party weekend at the lake place or wherever, and they're going to crank the music up till two or three o'clock in the morning, and then you call the cops and you complain, but then they're gone, you know. And the next week there's somebody that's different there. Four one four seven nine nine one six twenty. And again, I see it, this. This to me isn't really. I mean, hotel operators don't like this because they don't like the competition. To me, it's it's more about protecting the community, which is why, like I say, for Florida, I mean, I understand, or Arizona, a lot of these places where there's a lot of vacationers, typically, let's say you're going to buy a con- you're going to buy a condo in Florida. All right, Naples area or Sarasota area or whatever, most of the condo associations, in order to protect the other owners, you know, they have rules that say how long, you know, if that, that limit the amount of rentals that you can do. Now, some don't, but a lot of them, for example, say, hey, if you're going to do a rental, it's got to be a month at a time. So we don't have these things where every two or three days you've got somebody else coming in. Rosie in Illinois. Rosie, you're on WTMJ. Hello. Hi there. I love uh, Go Pack. Go Pack. <laughs> I'm from Milwaukee, born and raised. Okay, I went to tell you, we were up in Burke County in October, and we were talking to the owner of the hotel, the mom Powell kind of place that we always stay at, the cabins that we always rent at, that kind of thing. And she was telling me about how um, these Airbnb people, people are renting their homes throughout Fish Creek, Sister Bay, all the little towns uh, north of Sturgeon Bay in in Door County. And she was telling me about how she did not know that they need to be accountable to anybody. For example, as a hotel owner, a business owner, she has to have inspections. She was just having someone there to check her water, blah, 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 this kind of thing. And that got me thinking. All these people that are saying, okay, you can come and stay in my house. You give me $100 for each night, and you can stay in my house, and I promise I'll wash the sheets. Well, who's holding them accountable? I don't, I, you know, I start to shrink. We used to be in B when we went out to Philadelphia for a wedding. It was very convenient. People from different parts of the country came, and they stayed together, and it was very nice. But I, I there's something to be said about um like, well, like, well, right, and, and, and controls and, and things like that. And essentially, I mean, see, that, the, the issue is you've got, let's say you've got a residential neighborhood, and all of a sudden that residential neighborhood isn't just residences anymore. It's, exactly. it's a hotel. You know, which, Precisely. <laughs> with, with, I, don't think that's, I, I don't think that's okay. I really don't. Now, yes, people have the right to do this, and I have, uh, we're not talking about freedom and rights in the, in the Constitution. But, you know, people are probably going to try to swing it that way. But the point of it is, 
you're, are they paying taxes? Who's regulating to make sure they're paying taxes? Because well, that's the source of income. Well, I'm sorry. If you're really going to go down this road and make money off of it, you need to be accountable, don't well, you? Well, I would think so. And, and thanks to Colin. Thanks for listening to us, Rosie. And you're right. Go, Pat, go. I, I guess my, my, my point is if I buy a place in a residential area and all, all of a sudden I find, I mean, if I wanted to live next to a hotel, I bought a, I would purchase a place next to a hotel. On the other hand, if I want to live in a residential area and all of a sudden I find out that the guy or gal next door has decided, okay, I'm going to be an absentee owner and we're going to essentially turn this into a hotel. I, yeah, I, I admit I'm, I'm going to be, you know, talking to, you know, whoever runs the village or the city or whatever saying that this isn't right because it's, it's a different character thing. And I have nothing against hotels, for example, but you know, you don't, if you move into, you know, a quiet cul-de-sac, for example, you know, you, you don't anticipate that the people next door are going to be renting this out. Okay, here's a text. Jeff, this happened to us um, in Fond du Lac. We bought a dream home five years ago, and now the neighbor has done this exact same thing, and candidly, it's horrible. People are coming in all the time. Um so you you've got there. Um, now here's another text. Uh, let's see, uh, Jeff. Rules requiring a minimum rental five days would seem to eliminate the rowdy weekend party people. Airbnb is a godsend for families of five or more who need extra space when traveling to visit family or to vacation. So I mean that. I mean, look, I get it. The flip side is, oh, this is great for travelers, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And many times it works out exactly fine. Uh, you know, it, it's no big deal. But other times, what about the other neighbors that are there? Jeff, I have eight Airbnbs in the Milwaukee market. Not a chance they are party houses. Huh. Get with the times. I am in control of all that goes on. So he or she is an absentee landlord. I mean, it's not even like they're living in the place. They're rent. I mean, presumably, they either own or are renting places, and are then turning around and then renting them out. Sorry, I, I I get it. I understand the whole process. But to me, if you want to be in the hotel business, you should be in the hotel business. One more call, Sonia in Brookfield. Sonia, you're on WTMJ. Hi, Jeff. Hi, Sonia. Um, just real quick, uh, my family owns a uh, rental property in Savannah, Georgia, and I think everybody knows that that's become a real hot destination. I love Savannah. I, Savannah's oh, a great town. Oh, great town. Oh, love, love, love Savannah. Uh, the family has a, a home, which they do not rent out, um, but um, we did purchase um, three other homes, which are all connected together. Okay, they're like townhomes, right. and they can sleep up to 19 people. So we get big, big uh, groups of people that come in. And I will tell you that, um, and it's in a residential area because most of Savannah is residential. It's, it's, it's right. a walkable place. Um, uh, the, the biggest issue is when uh, bachelor parties, bachelorette parties, right. and they just trash those properties um, we've had broken furniture we've had broken windows now you know they're coming to party they're not coming to stay with friends or see family they are coming 
two parties. So it's become a real issue with the family as to what the heck do we do now? Right. Not to mention um, the neighbors, I would imagine, Sonia. The neighbors <laughs> are the neighbors are livid, yeah. and uh, there are several times when the police have had to be, had to be called by the neighbors. So you know there are pluses, there are minuses, but um, we're seeing so much damage that really kind of rethinking as to how we want to work these properties got it thanks for the perspective that's that's see that's the real world of, of these things all right let's take a quick break we'll be back with the news this is jeff wagner jeff wagner on wtmj Well, I'm just I this again this crash on on I-94 and again this is in this is in this construction area that we've been talking about a lot. The 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 big the, the big takeaway from this is it's a miracle that this isn't worse than it is. I mean, today's GMJ4 has some of the pictures up on their website. Here's what the Racine County Sheriff says happened. Um this morning, again, 5 5:30 whatever. Uh, a pickup truck driven by a 31-year-old Kenosha man driving northbound, and again through that that whole construction area, guy goes to make a lane change and strikes a semi tanker. This caused the tanker to swerve, go through the median wall, and then strike another semi trailer that was traveling southbound. Okay, so you you knock the one truck through the median wall into the southbound lane of traffic. The second semi flips on its side and comes to rest on the interstate. Um, what happens is, the uh, in, at least in one of the things, that the, um, the tanker separates from the cab of the truck. It flips over 45,000 gallons of a non-hazard material needs to be offloaded prior to um, uprighting this. Um, it's just, I'm looking at these pictures, and it's just a mess. Two semi-drivers were treated and released with minor injuries. Driver of the pickup truck received stitches on his head, face, and knee. He will be issued citations. But again, the you look at these pictures and you listen to this and you think it is a miracle that, that we're not talking about, you know, more people dying like we had in some of those horrific accidents, you know, earlier this year. We haven't talked about those conditions and the construction zone for for a while. We had a couple of those horrific accidents we spent a lot of time on it and actually got some blowback from the Department of Transportation, who essentially took this position of, hey, th- there's nothing to see here. There's no design problem at all. It's people that are driving too fast, which it, it, it is. But, you know, really nothing to see here. Don't worry about this, et cetera, et cetera. And I think they were saying, well, and actually, you know, if we look at our numbers, there, there's actually fewer sort of problems, you know, through the construction than there were before we started it. I have... I have two friends who live in Milwaukee County who work in Racine, and they they drive that route every day, um, not all the way through the construction zone, but halfway through the construction zone where, where they get off. I, I was talking to both of them the other night, and my question was, has it gotten any better? 
And the answer is, Jeff, it's as bad as it always was. And it's just you feel like you're taking your life in your own hands, you know, every time you do this. And they're like, we, this has just got to get done sometime soon. All right, well, today, again, you have another one of these horrific accidents. Our number is 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I think the hope was that after some of that really bad stuff this summer, people would start to wise up. Maybe they would realize that they have to be more careful driving through there. Here is my question. For those of you that travel that stretch, on an occasional or a regular basis, and I'm not one of them. I I, I don't. So you know, I, to me, it's only occasionally. My question is, has it gotten better, or is it still as bad as it was a couple months ago? Four one four seven nine nine one six twenty. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Now again, we, today let's you had you had bad weather. You know, whenever bad weather happens, you're always going to have problems. That's just kind of the reality. We had this horrible situation up on Highway 33 in Sockville by the freeway where you have a fatality. So your your bad weather brings out the, the worst. But that has been an area that has always been particularly difficult. And, of course, as we've talked about repeatedly, it, it's made more difficult by the fact that when they did the design of the road construction, they, they didn't allow access to emergency vehicles. There, there's no extra lane. So when something bad happens, you, you can't get emergency vehicles there. You can't deal with it in a fashion, in a prompt fashion. But, all right, the Department of Transportation actually, I think, kind of got its back up, collectively speaking, and, and was like, well, I, I don't know why people are making such a big deal about, about this. So is it better? 414-799-1620. Let's start with Joe in Greenfield. Joe, you're first. Good afternoon. Hi, Jeff. Hi, Joe. Hello. I'm a truck driver by, by living but um, I drive that area all the time, constantly. And uh, me, to me, I think the Department of Transportation is liable for this. I talked to an old buddy of mine that worked for Michaels, who's a contractor, and they have nothing to do with the way that the lanes are set up. The lanes are too narrow. There yeah. is no room for air. And as soon as you it, look at the guy that had the flat tire uh, in the lane, if you have any kind of issue, a well, mechanical issue, yeah. there, there's nowhere to go. And people traveling, yeah, speed is a little bit to do with it, but people, you know, and especially semis. I drive for a living, and sometimes it, it's a matter of just drifting over a little bit. Yeah. It causes this whole thing. I mean, it was it should have been designed. They rushed the project. I think they should have put thought about an emergency lane. Because yeah. How many people do have to die before this? This keeps going on. Well, I, okay, th- and, and you don't, do you think it's gotten any better recently or not really? I've traveled it, no, and it is it is a lot to do with speed. I agree. I'm not I'm not this and that, but it is. You know, people drive through there like, you know, and it, it's just that moment, right? you know. And, just, right, and all you need, right, no, I mean, I got it. No, okay, thank, thanks for calling. I mean, see, that, I, I, I do, I do think it was, with hindsight, an incredibly foolish decision not to have some sort of shoulder on there so that if something did happen that you could be able to get tow trucks in so that you could be able to get emergency vehicles in. I I think it was very, very foolish 
not to do that at least. 414-799-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. All right. Now, I know that they, they played around a little bit with trying to widen some of the lanes or something like that. And I guess the, the question is, is it is it working? Greg in Greenfield. Greg, you're on WTMJ. Hi. How are you, Jeff? Very well. Thank you, sir. Yeah. Today I had to take 45. I drive. I live right on the border off of County Trunksy, and I drive to Loomis Road every day. Okay. So <clears throat> as the northbound lanes have widened, it's gotten better. But one of the things people aren't thinking about or talking about is because of all the economic development that's happening down there. And I'm telling you, it's nuts. Uh, there's like a 1,000 jobs available down there right now. Is the volume of traffic that's coming from south, right? Okay. And the volume of traffic has increased dramatically. So, and the thing is, people coming from the south, they don't slow down. When they hit Wisconsin, they don't slow down at all. And that includes the trucks. So one of the issues is, you know, getting, uh, getting this increased volume of traffic to slow down through the construction zone. And, uh, there's police there a lot, but, uh, it has gotten a bit better. But like today, I mean, I don't know how do you stop this kind of stuff from happening because my neighbor across the street uh, back a few months ago was in a horrific accident. Lucky they weren't killed because yeah. some guy went around him on the right side in an SUV, SUV, you know, going 80, 90 miles yeah. an hour. Right. I mean, people driving like idiots. No, thanks to call. And, and in that particular section, the way it is, is is there's no margin for error at all. Jeff, I travel that route 10 times a week. The area is slightly better as the lanes aren't quite as narrow as they were. But trust me, it's still bad. They should have at least left an emergency lane for police, ambulances, disabled vehicles, etc. We continue the conversation in a moment. A lot of great calls on the line. If you're on the line, please hold on. Welcome back to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. When we were talking about this on a regular basis a month or two ago, the, the, the official response kind of from the Department of Transportation was, oh, shut up and dribble. There, there's nothing to see here. You know, why Why are you talking about this? And, oh, we're, we're going to be making changes. And I, and I was looking, I mean, today you have somebody driving too fast from conditions, changes the lane, hits a semi, goes through the median, goes through the retaining wall, which obviously doesn't do a very good job of retaining things, hits a truck coming the other way, and, and then you're off to the races. Chris in Union Grove. Hi, Chris. You're on WTMJ. Hi. Um, I live down in Union Grove, right between 11 and 20 near the okay. freeway, and I can tell you the number of ambulances and fire trucks that go by my house is significantly more than it has been in the past, and... Those lanes are too narrow. Um, just recently, my son, who's 16, was driving on it, and we stopped driving because some guy just said lanes were too narrow and almost hit him. Huh. And so we've just stopped driving it because it hasn't gotten any better. Okay, so it's just, it, it, to, your, it, to your point, it's, it's just as bad as it was this summer. Yes, and, and there's such a, I mean, you can't get off. I mean, there's 20, huh. and then the next exit's like 142. They have way too far of a distance between exit ramps. So if something happens, you then are stuck with everybody on there because they don't even have a place to get off. Or, or pull over. <laughs> or, 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 yeah, or, there's right. definitely no place to pull over. I mean, we saw a person who actually was disabled the one time, and there was literally no place. I actually called 911 to say, this is an emergency situation because you have someone disabled flashers on the side of the road. 
Right, but uh, but it, when we say the side of the road, it's really not the side of the road. It's more it like one the right of the lanes. Yeah, right. Yeah, no, right. Ex- ex- exactly. I I just from a design perspective, and they've tried to explain to me why they did it. And I just I shake my head. Uh, just they, they, in my opinion, at least, would have you you can't you can't do that, especially with that weird lane configuration they had and shrinking the size of the lanes you, and and the the distance to your point about how far it is between like the exits. You you can't not have a a way for a place for people to pull over if something happens to the car or or whatever. You, I, I just think it was incredibly. Short-sighted, I'll use that phrase, to, to not put an emergency lane in there. Yes, and they're just cause. I mean, it's it's warrant for accidents. I mean, it's just I I'm surprised I haven't seen more when I have been on there. Yeah. And like I said, after my son nearly got hit, we got off at the next exit that was humanly <laughs> possible to get off, and just said we're never taking it again. <laughs> yeah. No. Well, thank, well, thanks. Well, hopefully, at some point in time, they'll they'll put a priority on this and they'll be able to if not finish it and look and i, I understand there's a, a huge project that goes on but you know that it's it's a poor design and I, I think you've got the 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 lanes that narrow and i understand they're trying to widen some in response to this and you've got that concrete barrier in the middle which apparently doesn't stop cars when they slam into it from going you know through to the other side jeff i drove that stretch of freeway for eight months for a position i held in pleasant prairie i um let's see i it's an hour drive minimum twice a day for work the area is terrible accidents every day and um, I do not believe it is solely due or anywhere due to the fact of um, the, the fact and he talks about it's bad drivers and there's of course that's a factor but is that the only factor let's talk to Brian in Waukegan hi Brian you're in WTMJ hello what do you think yeah um, well Every Wednesday, at least, I go up that way through Milwaukee. I drive all over Chicago and Milwaukee with a huge box truck. And um, the first accident that happened off by 20, I, I actually got on the ramp and saw all the smoke and got uh, stuck there for two hours. Um, and then the one this morning, I was taken off from Waukegan and uh, – GPS kept rerouting, and I thought, why, re- why is it rerouting me? I saw the sign yeah. on 94 that said all the lanes are blocked. So I've been listening to you guys all day. But um, I wish we had better yeah. news for you. <laughs> I wish we yeah, had better exactly. news. Yeah, Exactly. And so the thing is about it is that uh, you're exactly right. There's nowhere for emergency vehicles to get to, to, to the accident, but... The, the emergency vehicles may not even need to get there. If what I'm saying is that extra lane is is a shoulder, is so that you can avoid an accident. Yeah. Um. On the way back from Milwaukee this morning, I I had actually almost got rear-ended by another box truck because somebody was coming on the on ramp and decided to stop at the end of the on ramp. And then the car in front of me decided they were going to stop and let them in. Um, and <laughs> where, where I'm carrying 29,000 pounds, I had to <laughs> slam on the brakes. I couldn't swerve into another lane because right. there's no other lane to go to. Right. There's, nothing to. there's nothing to do but slam on the brakes and hope for the best. And since I slammed on the brakes, the box truck behind me went around me to the left and missed me by inches. Yeah. Um, you know, just. So I, I was just about another, and then who, who knows what the pileup would have been after that. Oh, yeah. Hey, I'm sorry. I'm, i got to let you go. Drive safe. I appreciate it. I'm, I, I, bottom line is 
Maybe it's a tad better, but it's still, you know, huge problems. And people got to be careful there. But actually, Jeff, I, here's a text. I live in Racine. You couldn't pay me to get on Highway 20 or Highway 11. Um, yeah, that, that's kind of how my friends who have to commute this on a regular basis. But that, unfortunately, there's not too many ways that they can get where they're supposed to go. So they take their life in their hands. I do not think, I continue to believe, I do not think that this was the best job the DOT has ever done in designing things. All right, when we come back, lots of stuff on the program yet. Don't go anywhere. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now, here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Sarah Gilstead. So they have now charged the... Uh charged the guy Clifton Blackwell yes. who threw the acid on the man's face the other day. I am, um, you know, it's, it's they've charged him with first degree reckless injury, use of a dangerous weapon, and then the hate crime enhancer. I always, and I want to be real clear here, I always wrestle with these these hate crime enhancers. And and, and first of all, I throw the book at this guy. So that throw the book at this guy. But I, I've always just intellectually had these issues about. You, you you commit the underlying crime. D- does the motive really matter? I, I mean, is it mm. if, if you're going to attack somebody in this, this vicious fashion, this horrific fashion, and he's looking at decades in prison? You know, you you, you throw acid in somebody's face. It, d- does it matter whether your motivation was that you you didn't like him because he was Hispanic, or that uh, you didn't like him because his he had a blue coat, or I because see. of what? And, and that that's the only thing. It's just that does the motive it, it, the when the under when you have the underlying crime, which is horrific, and there's there's decades of prison to go around. D- does it matter? Is one thing is one motive worse hmm. than the other to criminalize? And that's I've always kind of wrestled with with that, which. And I understand why we have the hate crime enhancers, especially the, the politics of this. And we we clearly want to discourage things like that. But at the end of the day, you know, for most for, in, for most crimes, the crime is the crime and it doesn't matter why you committed the crime. You know yes, what I'm saying? I, I mean, we, we don't ask why you if you robbed a bank. Right. We don't ask what your motive was. We don't say, OK, the the motive, you know, it's you if if your motive was. You, you needed money to buy drugs, that that was better or worse than if your motive was... Feeding I, I, your family? Yeah, exactly. I mean, we don't, we, we don't look at the motives. We look at the underlying mm-hmm. crime and, and we punish it. Hate crimes is this whole complete area, and, and I, we, we've got it. And I have no problem with the hate crime charge, and I have no problem with putting this guy in prison for a, a long, long time. It's just I've always, I've always kind of intellectually wrestled with the, the hate crime thing simply because is, is one... Does one motive deserve to be criminalized more than another? That's all. Huh. Yeah. I hadn't thought of it that way before. Well, but I mean, right. But I mean, I, I understand. Of course, it, it's horrible as to why he did it. But for, I mean, a good for instance is let, let's say that these two had been schoolmates. They, they weren't. And the guy had been harboring a grudge for 35 years. I, Eric, I've hated you for 35 years because you used to beat me up, you know, and take my lunch. And here I'm going to do this. Is that is that any less serious than, gee, Eric, I don't like you because you're, you know, a middle-aged or not middle-aged, a young white male? It's just, I, I don't know. I just wrestle with that yeah, type yeah. of stuff. Yeah, but bottom line is, 
this is a horrific crime, and whether there's a hate crime enhancer or not, the guy deserves to be in prison for a lengthy period of time. And those charges have just come out. Hey, some other breaking news. It's going to be interesting tomorrow um, for for people who depend on public transportation in Milwaukee County. Eric, did you see this? The the, the bus company. The the, the, dri- the drivers, it's, they're represented by a union. They've been without a contract since March of 2018, and it's been bogged down. The union's president is out, and he's saying if we don't have a deal today or presumably substantial progress, that they're going to walk. They're going to walk. No bus service tomorrow. So that's James Mason, James Mason saying, or Macon saying that? Yeah. Macon, yeah. You know what? Uh, that, that is news. However, that is something that... He, they go that direction quite often. I mean, he is he has threatened to strike in the past. He has threatened work stoppages in the past, and they've been able to right. avoid that. The, in this journal, case, I'm the Journal Sentinel story: um, He, the, the president of the union representing Milwaukee County bus drivers and mechanics, said a strike would begin Thursday morning if hmm. progress isn't made on their contract negotiations. They're apparently in now contract expired again over a year and a sure. half ago. Uh, let's see, the, the, they asked him, you know, what, okay, he said he had told the transit system leaders he was willing to work until the last bus pulls in, but there would be no bus service Thursday morning without a deal. And there's a number of sticking points, but one of the big ones is apparently they, they, they want back pay. By back pay, that they, they want the, a retroactive raise. Right, yes. Um, that's that's and, tricky and difficult to do, right? And apparently, so far, the county has said no. We're we're not. You're not getting back pay retroactively, and that's apparently one of these big sticking points. But it's something to watch out for because, again, like you say, they they threaten this on multiple occasions. But um, if the the word is today, if you don't come through and we don't make substantial progress, whatever that means, um, we're going to shut down the bus system. Uh-huh. Hmm. Wonderful. <laughs> Just. <laughs> More, more good news. And, and by the way, they, they hope to have the freeway open sometime soon. We'll, we'll see how all that works out. Okay, let me take a quick break. When we come back, uh, interesting election results yesterday. Some people are saying nothing to see here. I think that would be naive. I will explain and we will discuss. Welcome back to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. So, very glad to have you with us. All right, one of the things we try to do in this program is give you honest analysis when it comes to politics. And a lot of times I understand that that, that my at least honest analysis, which is right more often than not, but occasionally I, I'm wrong. Didn't think that Donald Trump was going to be elected in 2016. I, I, I own that. But more often than not, I, I'm, I'm on the button and on the ball when it comes to this stuff uh and i understand sometimes by giving people honest analysis it's you telling them things that they do not want to hear all right yesterday was off-year elections now a year from yesterday america is going to be deciding who the next president of the united states is going to be i understand some people continue to think that donald trump is going to be removed from office convicted following impeachment 
I don't believe that there's any chance of that happening. And I understand some people are infuriated by that, but that's just kind of the way I see it. I think if President Trump is going to be removed, it is going to be by the American people in an election a year from now. I think it is way too early to tell what is going to happen. A lot of things can occur over the course of the next year. And as I have described, I I think this election, if you ask anybody, you know, how is it going to turn out, the, the only appropriate answer to give is to say it depends. It depends on a lot of stuff. It depends on how the economy is doing. It depends on who the Democrat nominee is, because if it's a center left candidate, a, a Joe Biden, I, I think and I think Biden does well. If it is a far left candidate like an Elizabeth Warren or a Bernie Sanders, I think it's a different dynamic because then the election becomes about them and their desire to transform American society more so than it becomes about President Trump. But in any event, yesterday there were a number of off-year elections and they did not go well for the Republicans. That's just the, the reality of this. For the first time in a long time, Democrats retook control of both houses of the legislature in Virginia. Virginia has, for years and years, been one of these these kind of swing sort of states. But you know, there there was a Republican presence, and Republicans, you know, won particularly when it came to statewide offices. Yesterday, uh, Democrats won complete control of the Virginia governor government, and that is for the first time in a generation. In what you saw is, in particular that in the suburbs of Virginia, President Trump struggled a lot. Um, and, and President Trump had tried to nationalize some of these races. So, you know, you, you had Republicans that struggled in the suburbs. In Kentucky, where more often than not, the governor is a Republican. Kentucky is pretty much, a, I, I would say, it's a, you know, reliable sort of red state. Uh, the current governor of Kentucky was defeated. He hasn't conceded yet, but but he it appears that he's lost. Close race, but it appears that he has lost. President Trump went to Kentucky and campaigned for him, and yet he lost. Now, the way some people are writing this off is they're saying, well, it's not a reflection of President Trump. It's not a reflection of the way people view the Republican Party. The governor of Kentucky was not a great candidate. Sometimes you you hear that as a way of explaining things, and I, I don't know enough about that campaign to have a strong feeling about it one way or the other, but, you know, K- Kentucky's governors are typically Republican. The Republican bright spot yesterday was that the Republican governor of Mississippi reelected. So the, the Republicans only lose the one governorship, but in general, it was not a good day for Republicans. Now, the question becomes, what does this mean moving forward? Is this is this a blip explained by the fact that the governor of Kentucky was a lousy candidate and that uh, the Virginia suburbs had been sort of trending to the left for a while and this was just the completion? Or is this something that should be sending up red flags to the president and to Republicans all across the country? 414-799-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I know it drives some of you absolutely crazy when I talk about polls because you you don't believe that polls have any reliability at all. 
I'm not there. I'm skeptical of some of the polls and some of the methodology, but I think that, you know, you have to take them with a grain of salt, but still it is information you use. We all have to agree, though, that the only poll that really matters is the poll they take on Election Day. And yesterday, that poll, a Republican governor in Kentucky went down to defeat, it appears. The state house in Virginia uh, switched from Republican to Democrat, and the Mississippi governor kind of squeaked through. All right, is there a lesson in this moving forward? I think there is. I will share it with you in a moment. But what do you think? 414-799-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. We discuss. Back for more, here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. 414-799-1620. What do we make of the election yesterday? Jerry and Appleton. Hi, Jerry. Yeah, I uh, I agree with the original take when you started out. This is much ado about nothing. Now, okay. that doesn't mean that Trump, President Trump couldn't have some problems going forward. I'm just saying these particular elections uh, didn't mean anything. Virginia has been a, it hasn't been a swing state for at least 10 years. I mean, it's a blue state. Okay. Well, but the Republicans have controlled at least one. They, they controlled both houses of the yeah, state legislature. Kind of from the old days, it takes a while to get it out once you got it in there. But Virginia is not a swing state. It's a blue state. Uh, okay, and then, and then how about Kentucky? I mean, I was, uh, there was an article in the Wall Street Journal saying as much about three months ago, and, and yeah. uh, that's, I mean, I wouldn't have needed that. That's my own thing. Right. You know, how I, about I Kentucky? Well, Kentucky is a blue state. You think President Trump's not going to carry Kentucky next year? Hope Do not. I, 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 you would think so, but I would have thought the governor of Kentucky would have gotten reelected. He'll carry Kentucky by 20 points next year. I'll bet you a case of your favorite whatever. <laughs> okay. Uh, Bevin was unpopular, and that happens. I mean, especially in local and statewide races. It's, you know, you've always heard the saying all elections are local, statewide. Uh, that uh, he was an. Un- if I was telling your screener, if Donald Trump had not gone in there and campaigned, in the last week for for Matt Bevan, he would have lost that race by ten points. Well, and and, the, and, and to your up. point, other statewide office holders the, who were Republican won. Oh, it was wow. it was the governor who who lost. Hey, so that's that's a, that's a good point. That shows right there that it wasn't an, that wasn't a backlash against Republican. Excellent point for bringing that up. Yeah, they they elected the first African American Attorney General, very good candidate, and he won. So you don't think Uh, anybody should be worried? You don't think Republicans should be worried? If something else could come up, Jeff, between now and election that I could say, hey, this one's a little different. No, yesterday was didn't didn't was not a total surprise. Okay, good enough. Thanks to call 414-799-1620. Reggie on the north side. Reggie, you're on WTMJ. Hello. Hey, Jeff. I I respect your show. I I love your call. I'm a longtime Democrat. I'm going to tell you this. What it is, it's a it's a flipped upside down universe. What happened is this between New Hampshire and what happened in Kentucky. Like when Hillary lost the race, I voted for Hillary, right? What happened was you had an undercurrent of people that liked Donald Trump but would not could not profess that they liked Trump. So when they went in to vote or that curtain closed or they did the ballot, then it proved the difference that Trump was the winner. What's happening is this. A lot of Trump supporters out there, they're doing the rah, 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 right? But when the curtains close, they're voting something totally different. And that's exactly what happened to Hillary when she lost in 2016. She didn't come to Wisconsin. She did not resonate with a lot of voters. Or they stayed home. They they either didn't vote for or more likely they stayed home. Yeah, that's correct. 
and so with Trump, and, and, and definitely with Wisconsin, with Evers being a, a Democratic uh, a governor, okay, and so now they got the swing states in Virginia, and that last caller, he's, he's wrong in what he's talking about because that's not the case, and Texas is going to be key. Texas is going to be very key. Texas is what I'm looking at as far as what's going to be a pillar. But what I'm saying is this, and I'm sure, and I'll hang up the list, is that a lot of Trump people, they, 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 they like some of the policies, but when it, when it comes to the actual ballot, they're doing like what happened when Hillary lost. They're voting towards the Democratic Party. I rest my case. Thank well, you. thank thanks for calling, Reggie. I'll, I'll, I, I will give you my take. Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. So, very glad to have you with us. Okay, to review the bidding quickly. Um, yesterday, you had the Virginia legislature, which had been tending and, and trending towards Democrats for a while, but yesterday it, it flipped. And now, for the first time in a generation, Democrats control all, all aspects of the Virginia State House. Now, one of our callers said, well, you know, it, it's it's been Virginia's been a has, has been a blue state for the longest time. Well, no, it, it really it, it hasn't. Virginia has been kind of a swing state. You can maybe say trending Democrat, but but now the Democrats are in control of, of everything. You have Kentucky, which now is going to have apparently a Democrat governor. Now they're the guy that was running for governor was not the strong, but he was the, he was the governor, but he was apparently not the strongest candidate. Republicans won all the other statewide offices, so I guess you could explain that as saying, well, it wasn't so much a repudiation of Republicans or the president; it was a repudiation of the the individual candidate, and, and maybe there's something to that. And Republicans did hold the, the governorship in Mississippi, which you would anticipate. Okay, so what what does this all mean? How big a deal is it? Is it something that could be ignored? And, and let me give you the long and short of this. I, I think you, you have to take stuff with a grain of salt. All all these excuses are, are perhaps valid. But, but here's the issue. The Republicans in Virginia ran into trouble in the suburbs. And if that is a trend which continues and carries over to other cities and other states particularly like Wisconsin if if president trump running for reelection underperforms for example in the Milwaukee suburbs you know the wow counties well just like that wasn't necessarily a great sign for scott walker it, it's going to be a devastating sign for the president so i mean i it means that there is work to be done and it means that there are issues that are are there and i think you know is this one where everybody should be for example if you're a republican or a trump supporter should you be you know cowering in a dark room saying it's going to be a disaster no you shouldn't at the same time if you just kind of ignore this and say nothing to see here i i think that that's naive because there is you know something to see here now again as, as i continue to believe this the presidential election is going to depend in large 
amount on, on who it is, who the choices are. Remember in 2016, we kept hearing that all the time. It's a binary choice. Maybe you don't like Donald Trump or maybe you don't like Hillary Clinton, but those are the two choices you have. Well, okay, 2020 is going to be a binary choice as well. It's going to be a choice between President Trump and whoever it is that the Democrats nominate. And like I said a few minutes ago, if you have a center-left Democrat, that's going to be one thing. If you have somebody way, 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 way out there on the fringe, an Elizabeth Warren or a Bernie Sanders, it, it it's a different thing. Because if you have a center-left Democrat, then the election becomes about Donald Trump. You know, people are feel, let, let's take Biden as an example. All right, you know, maybe you know we're not thrilled about Joe Biden, but he's he's not going to mess up the country. At least we don't think he is. So then it's a closer call. If it's an Elizabeth Warren or it's a Bernie Sanders, then the election becomes about them. Do you really want to have the private health insurance industry destroyed? Do you really want to see massive taxes? Is this, you know, do you really want to have corporations declared as, as being evil? It, you know, that's that's the that different dynamic. For if those one of those becomes, if like an Elizabeth Warren or a Bernie Sanders becomes the presidential candidate, the election is about them and their vision of the future. If it's a Joe Biden, then I think the election becomes more and more about President Trump. So that that's kind of the it depends dynamic. Is yesterday definitive one way or the other? No, but it, it does show how volatile I, I think this race is. And it shows, I, I think, that the Trump campaign has a lot of work to do. And I think that Republicans have a lot of work to do. And I said the same thing, you know, after the midterms in 2018 when Tony Evers, you know, beat Scott Walker because I, I think maybe there was an enthusiasm gap and you had everybody that was motivated in Dane County and turned out and voted for Evers. You saw that dynamic happening because, again, People who were motivated ran out to vote and they wanted to, quote unquote, send a message. And that particular message was, you know, we we want to stand up to Donald Trump and we're going to do that by voting out Scott Walker. Okay, you know, that's a factor. And I think Republicans, you know, have to be as jazzed to support Trump as the Democrats are to oust him. A lot of stuff to happen between now and then. But I don't think you can ignore what happened yesterday and the results All right, how bad they were for Republicans, well, I'll I'll leave that to other pundits to analyze. But it wasn't a great night for the Republican Party losing the governorship of Kentucky and losing the Virginia State House. And I don't think there's any way you can sugarcoat that. All right, when we come back, we're going to shift gears, lighten it up a little bit. And then there was one. My question is going to be why. Stick around. You're listening to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Yesterday, I was sharing an, an article that was in the Wall Street Journal about uh, the Waffle House. And I'm, I'm a huge Waffle House. If it, it, it's a Southern-based budget diner thing. And, and people, you, you either love them or, or you hate them. They're sort of like... Uh, sort of like George Webb, they're in 25 states, about 2,000 Waffle Houses nationwide. And, and I happen to be one of these guys. I can't exactly explain why, but I, but I love them. And a limited sort of menu, uh, but they're, they're fast, they're efficient. And the story was about how if you can manage a Waffle House, you, you, can, you can manage everything. And it's talked about the challenges and things like that. And we had an interesting little discussion about th- those types of chain restaurants. A lot of times when you read the restaurant reviews, everybody's talking about the fancy, expensive places. And the reality is 
Well, we had a number of people that were texting in about how they loved Cracker Barrel or, or places like that. That was the conversation. Well, this is a variation of that. Gru, producing the show today and always. Do you ever eat at the, Chan- the Chancery Restaurant? I've never even heard of it. You've never you've never heard of a Chancery Restaurant? Of a Chancery, no. Chancery. You've never heard of the Chancery? Huh. All right. I'm kind of surprised because... The, the Chancery restaurant or the string of restaurants that are the Chancery, very, very big deal, you know, particularly in this area for a number of years. A couple years ago, there were like a half dozen Chancery restaurants kind of, you know, all over the area. It, w- it was actually launched in the early 70s. It was Kind of like an Applebee's, you know, sort of sort of place. But they had chanceries all over. They had one. Uh, there, there was one on Downer Avenue on on the east side, and well, just there was one in Walwato in Waukesha, etc. There was one in Walwatosa. Lots of chanceries. Well, anyhow, the Waukesha location announced that uh, a couple weeks ago that it was it was closing, and then apparently yesterday. Um, the company that owns this chain declared that uh, the Chancery in Pleasant Prairie, that's going to be closing at the end of the year. So the bottom line of this, and this is, again, the one on Moreland Road in Waukesha, you know, that that closed last month. Um, a couple of years ago, there were six locations. Now they're, they're down to just one restaurant, and that's in the uh, Mequon Pavilion up on Port Washington Road and Mequon Road. That's going to be only one that, that's left. But the chanceries have been, despite the fact that my producer doesn't know this, an institution in southeastern Wisconsin for, for really decades. And I, I think they've always been kind of viewed as I would say kind of an upscale version of an Applebee's, that type of that type of place um, with, you know, a, a wide, a wide menu that that's there, you know, more upscale, certainly more upscale than like a Perkins or a Denny's or something like that. But I mean, think Applebee's, but but maybe think a little little higher end, but in that general range. Well, now with this announcement yesterday, like I say, the, these long-standing restaurants, you're, you're down to one. The only one is left in, and that is in Mequon. All right, 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I have a question for you, because my guess is you have probably patronized Chancery restaurants over the years. My question is this, what happened to them all? Now, like I say, they're, they're down to one. There were times, and I can remember, you know, in years past, where if you would want to go to, like, one of the chanceries, like in Wauwatosa, or you went to the one on, on the east side or whatever, the one in Waukesha, you know, sometimes you, you go there during the busy times, and there would be, you know, lengthy lengthy waits to, to get tables and things like that. Now they're all going to be gone except one, and who knows what the future of that one is. Our number, 414-799-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk text line what do you think happened and if you're somebody who did patronize the restaurant in your area or some throughout the area from time to time where where did they where did they go wrong did they go wrong sometimes you know this demonstrates sometimes restaurants just i don't know get tired what do you think let's start with jim in hales corners jim you're in wtmj hello hey jeff hi jim um i think they lost focus and i think they you said it exactly actually just as we were coming on and that is uh, they just got tired 
Um, I, you know, mm-hmm. my parents and I used to come in from Mequon to the one in Wabatosa. Okay, sure. Before they built the uh, the Mequon location, and they had a fantastic fish fry. Yeah. As a matter of fact, I've got three texts already. Great fish fries, yeah, <laughs> for yeah. there, yeah. And and they also had all you can eat uh, fried chicken on Sundays, and uh, you know, great uh, locations and right. Uh, yeah, they were in the heart food. of downtown Wauwatosa. You had yeah, the great place great. on you got the place on uh, Moreland Boulevard, right? The, these weren't obscure sort of places. They they had oh, no. high profile locations, yeah. Oh yeah, uh, but uh, and and I know while you. Um, remember them because they had something that speaks to you they had cheeseburgers in paradise <laughs> that's right a- absolutely so you just think that you just think it got that the concept got tired in, in I, I think they just got tired and and took their eye off the ball and things started to slide yeah now thanks for call 414-799-1620 that's I, again and i i bring this up because if you think back if, if you patronize these places I, it's this was not a struggling franchise. I mean, these were these were places that did incredible amounts of of business. Again, carving out this niche in the in the Applebee's type of market, the casual dining thing. See, that's I I also think that's one of the things that's going on. I think this market, that casual dining thing, where you try to be something for for everybody. I think that's an area that's kind of getting hit. I mean, I think you're starting to see that with, you know, Applebee's and all. That's that's an area that I, I think is really struggling, perhaps more than some of the high end and then more than some of the, the budget places as well. Dave on the south side. Dave, you're on WTMJ. Yeah, Jeff. Uh, there used to be one on South 27th Street about Leighton Avenue right by the freeway there. Yes, yes, I remember. Sure. Yeah, and... and uh there was a lot of road construction on 27th Street for like a year and a half. That that demised that one a lot. Right. So, yeah. And but but overall, Jeff, the quality over the years of the Chancery went down. I mean, years ago it used to be pretty good, but now it's like just so so. Yeah. yeah I you know it's I mean thanks. It, I I've never been a huge. I, I will tell you. I mean I I've never been a huge fan. I we. we I, I would go, and my general reaction was, okay, it, it's all right, you know, just, just just kind of all right. But you know, a lot of times, if I'm if I'm going out and I'm going to spend the money, I'd, I'd like better than than all right. But but they were very popular in their day. Georgia in Oconomowoc, Georgia, you're on WTMJ. Hi, hi, Georgia. Um, I used to live near Wauwatosa. I'm now out in Oconomowoc, and it was a fine restaurant to go to to either meet other couples and friends. Yeah. Or take your children during the day. And I found in the past couple of years that uh, the employees, the servers, the service had really gone downhill quickly and it became a kind of a dirtier restaurant. Right. So just the quality in general went downhill. That's what I would say. And I was disappointed because it was always a reliable restaurant. Yeah. I mean, right. For, for, right. For, for what it was, you know, I mean, it's right. it, in that sort of that casual dining type of thing where you can go and you can get burgers, you can get something a little bit better. It's not going to cost you a fortune. Yeah. OK. Thank Interesting. Thanks for the call. Um, let's speak in one more. David in Brookfield. David, you're on WTMJ. Hello. Hello. What do you think? What yeah, happened uh, to Chancery? Well, I don't know if, any, if they've necessarily gone anywhere. They've switched business models. Um, they are the same restaurant group that has the Jose Blue Sombrero. Right. They do great, great, a great job at Parkside uh, out here in Brookfield. Um, 
They uh, they used to have uh, Eddie Martinis. They sold it to the chef. The owner of the corporation uh, had a agreement with the chef back in the day, is my understanding, where um, he actually followed through. And uh, yeah, you can you can have this successful restaurant and bought it from him and that. But they do a great job with Jose's Blue Sombreros. Yeah, right. You're uh, yeah, right. That that's it is an ownership group. Thanks. And maybe and maybe that's it's just a ship. I, I bring this up because. First of all, point I make a lot that a lot of times we, we we think of these restaurants that we grew up going to and these places, Boston store, not a restaurant, but another example. You think of these things as institutions, and they're never going to go away. Well, they, they they do. I think also it demonstrates, particularly in the restaurant business, how how difficult it is to sustain a, a particular model. New restaurants open up, and what happens is the customers you know, get attracted to try these other places out. Maybe the quality deteriorates a little bit. Maybe just the, the style of dining falls out of fashion. And, and I think you are seeing a little bit of that. I, I think you know we went through a wave of that, that kind of casual dining, the Applebee's type of thing, the Chancery type of thing. I, I think that's starting to fall out of favor a little bit. Maybe it has to do something with the healthy dining as well. Maybe it's people that are saying, okay, well, we, we either want to go to like a burger and fry type of place or we want to go out less, but we want to go to a better, you know, quote, unquote, better experience place where we're going to spend a little bit more money. Maybe it's that we don't want to kind of be at the chains or things. But um, if you were a fan of chanceries, it, it appears that with the exception of the one restaurant in Mequon, it's going the way of, of the Mark's Big Boys and things like that. And I still miss Mark's Big Boy. All right, when we come back, John McCurry's in. We're going to find out what he has on his agenda. Please stick around.